0: You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Florida Bar's Legal Fuel podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilberry. I'm the director of the Practice Resource Center and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida.
1: And I'm Jamie Moore. I'm a practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida lawyers with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles.
0: So we all know that the practice of law can be extremely stressful. And unfortunately, lawyers have consistently experienced higher rates of depression and substance abuse. Because of this, the Florida Bar's Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers Committee continues to strive to bring awareness to the resources that are available to our bar members. They can all be found on the Health and Wellness Center webpage on the main floridabar.org website. And one of these resources... Florida Lawyers Assistance Incorporated, or FLA, um, I often call it FLA, Inc. Um, FLA provides programs and services to assist attorneys, judges, law students, and other legal professionals who may be impaired in their ability to function in a legal setting.
1: Joining us today to discuss the resources available at FLA is Dan McDermott, the Executive Director of FLA, and Carol Parks, Clinical Director of FLA. Dan was appointed executive director by the Florida Lawyers Assistance Inc. Board of Directors effective June 15, 2020. Dan graduated from Yale University and the University of Iowa College of Law. Following a two year clerkship with the chief judge of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Iowa, Dan practiced law in Cedar Rapids for five years before moving to Washington, D.C. He then began what is now a more than three decades long stint as a lawyer in recovery. Dan worked in government relations in the financial services and technology sectors before becoming head of U.S. government relations, of Visa, the world's largest electronic payment network. At FLA, Dan is responsible for overseeing day-to-day operations. The foundation of his work is assuring that members of Florida's legal community receive compassionate interaction and appropriate counseling. Carol Parks received her B.A. in psychology from the Pennsylvania State University. She then became a Florida certified health professional, received a Master of Science and Counseling from Nova University, and a Master of Business Administration from St. Leo University. She has worked tirelessly to educate and treat those suffering from addiction and mental health issues, from behavioral health technician to chief executive officer of a 100-bed dual diagnosis facility. Carol has the advantage of understanding all aspects of treatment from evaluation to aftercare and from discovery to recovery. Welcome to the show, Dan and Carol.
2: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: Thanks for having us. So let's start with Dan. Can you share with our listeners an overview of the mission of Florida Lawyers Assistance?
2: Absolutely, Christine. And thank you again for having us join you here this morning. Uh, Florida Lawyers Assistance uh, has been in existence since 1986, so we've been around for about 37 years. And our mission really is to promote uh, uh, mental health and uh, wellness practices throughout the Florida legal community. Um, It's no secret, as you mentioned, Christine, at the outset, that uh, the legal profession Uh, experiences a greater than normal uh, incidence of both substance use issues and uh, mental health concerns like depression and anxiety uh, concerns and so forth. And uh, in fact, those numbers are about 30% higher for the legal profession than they are uh, in the general population. So over 30 years ago, the Florida Supreme Court and the Florida Bar realized that some Attention had to be paid to the members of the profession who might be dealing with these kind of issues and as time had progressed from you know the early 20th century to uh, to, to now um, there 's been an, a, a growing realization that these are legitimate medically based concerns and the American Medical Association started recognizing alcoholism and and substance abuse otherwise to be a, a disease and a, a medically recognized uh, situation. And mental health concerns have shared that broadened perspective lately. So we devote ourselves first and foremost to educating the Florida legal community about um, the challenges associated with the privilege of practicing law and what we can offer to to lawyers throughout the state and others involved, from paralegals to law students to judges, to uh, you know take care of themselves and address their individual concerns before uh, you know before any of these things become uh, more debilitating.
0: Thank you. So, tell us what's the most common reason that a
2: person reaches out to FLA? when When we get calls from people who are reaching out to us purely on their own and voluntarily, I would say that the most common uh, conversation I have is with a lawyer who's feeling overwhelmed that for some reason, circumstances that are currently being dealt with are harder for them to handle. I oftentimes get conversations saying these two or three things have happened in my life. There's been a death in the family i lost a I lost a, a practice partner or the person I shared office space with who was a mentor to me um, uh, There's an illness in my family that's uh, taken a lot of time and energy, and as a result, I'm feeling uh, as though I'm not on top of my obligations as a lawyer, and I'm having therefore problems sleeping at night, so I'm drinking more than uh, I had been in the past, and I just feel that things are slowly unraveling for me. Um, That is, in a a nutshell, Christine, the, 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 the call that we get most often.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, Carol, can you tell us about the counseling services and programs that are offered at FLA and what the cost is to utilize these services? Absolutely.
3: The first thing I want to address, we have two different types of services. One is we have four groups on a weekly basis that are entirely confidential and free for On Tuesdays, for example, we have the ACAP group. Um, On Wednesdays at noontime, we have an attorney support group. On Thursday at noon, we have a paralegal support group. And on Friday, we have a working attorney mother's support group. And so each of those support groups, which are focused on stress and anxiety of day-to-day living and day-to-day working, are free and entirely, as I said, confidential. There's no attendance taken, and um, they're supportive in nature. We also have, as part of an FLA contract, for example, um, facilitated support groups for substance abuse and mental health. So those occur during the week, both in the evening and um in some there are some morning time groups for attorneys who are involved directly with FLA.
1: Okay. Perfect. So if if anyone is interested in those groups, can they just call and just say, "Hey, I'm interested. Can I what time or day and just show up?" And that's all you would need from them.
3: For the week time groups, yes. They can call our main number or go to our website and get the information for those groups with the Zoom sign-up information at any time, and they can join at any time. The facilitated groups are more of a process when they call in through our hotline, and we talk to them, and, and there's a, a process by which they engage with FLA formally.
1: Okay. Great. Um, And this is a question for either one of you. Um, What is the process when someone voluntarily contacts FLA for substance abuse issues, like from the beginning, you know, I guess, to when they're, you know, they're getting assistance?
2: Perfect. I'll take that one, Jamie. Um, If someone were to call us voluntarily and express a, a confidential concern about substance usage. We would follow uh, a process that we try to follow really in all of our cases of early engagement with someone that we have not dealt with before, in other words, the first thing we want to know is what are we dealing with so uh, we would we would describe to this caller what the process the, the uh, uh, is as it unfolds and what they can expect. but the first order of business would to be it would be for us to get an evaluation. FLA itself does not do the evaluations, we would recommend to uh, this caller the names of two evaluators who we suggest would be uh, well-versed in conducting uh, an evaluation of that person based on geographical location and the underlying situation we're dealing with, in this case substance abuse. And we'd want them to have that visit where uh, the lawyer would actually go to the evaluator for an interview and give information about – background and and uh, uh all of that the evaluator would then um you know uh, go through the entire checklist of issues that we need to have covered and would like covered and they do some kind of diagnostic uh, evaluations while they're you know uh, in this kind of conversation phase and then we'd get a report from the evaluator as to what uh the evaluator thinks the situation is with that particular lawyer From there, uh, in the case of of a lawyer who comes to us voluntarily, we would share the results of that uh, report. We would we would recommend to the lawyer uh, what we think would be the next best course of action. Oftentimes, that would be recommending that they come under a voluntary contract with us. And if they were to do that, we would reach an agreement as to uh, what their active involvement with FLA would be comprised of. For example, we would encourage them and and include as part of the contract that they attend one of our FLA support groups along the lines that Carol just mentioned, the evening support groups particularly. We'd ask them to commit to a certain number of 12-step support group meetings that would be of their choosing and that they would do on their own. But they'd make the commitment to us that that would be part of their program. And then uh, we would set up a monitoring arrangement where there was somebody they could check in with once a month to uh, report how their meeting attendance is going and how their involvement with the program is going and we would also ask that they remain sober that they remain substance free and we would monitor that by uh, a regimen of of random drug testing where they could be called uh, at any given time to you know visit a lab and and, uh, produce a a drug drug testing sample and that's an important way to kind of see how we're doing in terms of of the the drug testing results and um, In the case of a voluntary participant with us, if if a drug test came back indicating positive for substance usage, we would review that with that person. At this point, because we're talking uh, uh, about a, um, a voluntary participant, that information wouldn't go anywhere else. It would stay just with us and with the participant. But we'd want to be honest with that lawyer and tell them, "Here's how you're doing. You came back with a positive drug test this week. What does that mean?" We'd work, we kind of work out the situation and decide what sort of adjustments um, might be appropriate to the contract. All of this, Jamie, leads to a relationship that is not a one off. It's a consistent and developed relationship where we work with each other. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, at at the outset that I'm a lawyer in recovery. I've been sober now for uh, over 36 years. And I found that what I most helped me to overcome my issues was the engagement with others where I had some measure of accountability. You know, as a practicing lawyer, I could make up any excuse and leave the office and go, out and drink if that's what I wanted to do there was there, I was able to engineer around my obligations to um actually in, uh, you know engage in what for me was a was a case of alcoholism And we try to address that in this case by, you know, setting up an agreed upon set of behaviors where we're going to be checking in with each other and we're going to see how we're doing. And um, and that's a very, very important way to open the door to a kind of a new way of dealing with life's problems and a new way of uh, engaging life without relying on, on substances, whether it's alcohol or some other mood altering drug. And that's how the engagement, you know, proceeds. That's how it's set up. It's all voluntary and cooperative. And, um, you know at the outset we would we would kind of forecast a time frame maybe you should you should we should do this together for 3 years say for example now the the voluntary participant could decide to end it at any time but we're trying to help get to a point where the neuro pathways kind of reform and the, the, the biological you know reliance on substances recedes as a part of the daily experience with that lawyer, and so they, they understand the benefit of, of whatever the length of the contract we, we suggest might be, and at the conclusion of that um, when, you know, drug testing shows that they're successfully staying substance-free and they've, you know, gotten the benefit of our support groups and their own introduction to 12-step meeting work on their own, uh, they're really kind of, in most cases, ready to go. Uh, Contracts will end. A voluntary contract can end uh, uh, under the prescribed terms of the contract. But quite often, Jamie and Christine, we will find lawyers say, you know what, I want to keep doing this. I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I I I I know, you know, I got the benefit of what you've suggested. I know it's all available to me on my own, but I feel better about just continuing this relationship. Can we, can we, you know, keep this up? And of course... You know, we we were very happy to do that and provide that kind of resource to, to lawyers for as long as they want. Also, I will say that we have lawyers who, who complete their contracts successfully with us who come back to our support groups and they say, I just want to drop in. You know, I think like I, I feel like I need a tune up. I, I just want to get back in the group. I want to get back in the swing here. And uh, those lawyers are always welcome as well. Yeah so it sounds like the
0: accountability is a huge factor in this it's just like like having a gym buddy yeah. like we're always trying exactly. to just destigmatize you know but i want to so one of the important things i want to i again i want to demystify this I, I've been at the bar for seven years, and I think I've been the staff liaison to the mental health committee for six. And I've gotten several calls where lawyers called in and said, Can you refer me to an AA meeting that's just for lawyers? So I, I tell them about FLA. So, and like, I don't, I, one of the reasons we're doing this is, is Jamie and I are going to learn stuff. So your group is different than a traditional 12 step. So the 12 step meetings are outside the FLA support groups. Is that correct?
2: Yes, but you're, Christine, you're, 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 you're correct. I'll make one exception to the, the, the rule. We do have a, a Friday morning, 730 a.m. Uh, FLA support group meeting in Tampa. And that actually is run like an AA meeting. It actually okay. is, you know, it just runs along the lines of an AA meeting. But that's really the only FLA meeting that is set up that way. Um, uh, so, so that's the exception. But in general, the FLA support group meetings are are are. For example, I run I run a Thursday night lawyer support meeting in Boca Raton, where I live and uh i have a, a number of lawyers both both genders different age ranges and so on and so forth and we will talk about recovery we basically spend the, the the time together you know i invite people to raise whatever issues are on their mind what's going on with their week how are things going do they want to get current on a certain situation that they just want to they want to share with with the group and so forth uh and but but uh, you know the recovery aspect of it is Never far from from the conversation, although it's not run as a as a formal AA meeting. Um, okay. Recovery is always there. We do, though. I of course, uh, in situations like this, always do uh, encourage lawyers to check out uh, those twelve step meetings, AA, and there are other ones. There's Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and so on and so forth. And those are those are a, 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 just a wonderful resource that um, we we want to make sure people. Know about, but it's slightly different than, than what we offer in our own support setting.
0: Okay. And so if somebody, if we had a member in Tampa and they want to go to that 7.30 AM support group, would they still need to go do the evaluation and, you know, the, that whole process as well?
2: No, I think we would want people to know about the meeting and be able to uh, attend the meeting uh, for its own value in that respect. Um, yeah, but uh, so, so a contract is not uh, a requirement. Um, to attend that meeting. Uh, I have some people come to my Thursday night meetings who aren't under contract with us, as as I say, and uh, we want the door always to be open. In any given circumstance, then, you know, as the lawyer gets more comfortable, we can, we can, you know, conduct the conversation of, uh, you know, what's going on with them and what else might be helpful. But uh, you don't have to be under contract with FLA to go to that Friday morning Tampa meeting. And all of the meeting information is on our website. If you just Google Florida Lawyers Assistance, you can find all the details.
0: Perfect. And we'll be putting yeah, those links definitely. up on our website under the podcast. So if you're listening on legalfuel.com, look there and you'll be able to click right through. Um, a really important point to make because we get, the, you know, I hear all the objections from attorneys that don't want to get help. One of the things about um, FLA is because there is a link to lawyer regulation for, and I'm talking about an entirely different group of people, when when the Florida Bar's lawyer reg has said, you must go use these services. People that are doing it voluntarily are worried about the confidentiality issue. And I want you to address that. Like if if I am a voluntary person going to FLA, uh, will the Florida Bar ever know that I have contacted you?
2: No, uh, never in the voluntary circumstance uh on that uh, on that score uh, the confidentiality is enshrined in, in bar rule and statute, all of which are available um, on our website for those who'd like to, you know, do the do the the research uh, independently. But but it is a legal requirement that we treat that voluntary engagement uh, confidentially. confidentially. But Christine, let's talk about a practical matter. Let's say somebody comes to us, a lawyer who's having difficulty, comes to us purely voluntarily uh, on on her. Own and, and ask for help. Let's say we set up the kind of arrangement and engagement that I just described, where we're under contract that's between us. And let's say there are positive uh, drug tests. We keep that information between that lawyer and, and us. And let's say later on uh, that lawyer, that same lawyer, gets referred to us for a disciplinary matter from the Florida Bar. At that point, we um, you know, talk to the lawyer. First and say, we now have a referral from the bar, but you and we have been dealing with you entirely confidentially. How do you want to play this? We could do one of two things: we could either you know you could waive the confidentiality and let us disclose to the bar that you 've been working with us for the last couple of years, or you can decide not to waive the confidentiality, and we will take this bar referral. As though this is the first time we've ever seen your name. And that is entirely within the discretion of the lawyer. That each lawyer who deals with us voluntarily and confidentially, you know, has that decision to make and it's entirely their own. And if somebody says, I don't want to waive confidentiality, we would take the bar referral and start as though it's day one. We would go through an evaluation process and and all of the preliminary procedural moves that we do in every case, as though it's the first day we were ever dealing with that lawyer.
0: And that's a really important distinction. So thank you for for spelling that out. And I can see, I, I know of attorneys who have said to the bar I know why they would waive the confidentiality because all this stuff, their life's unraveled and they want the bar to know what they're doing and that they've been proactive in getting help. So I, I see, you know, both sides of it, why you don't want the bar to know or why you're going to come forward and say, I'm already seeking treatment.
3: Right. Um,
0: so my next question is completely related to that. And you, you've, so you kind of spelled out the process if someone came to you voluntarily. Is there a different order? And And this is part of demystifying because I don't know. If the, if our... A lawyer regulation department has told an attorney, you must seek the services of FLA. What happens? What what's step one? How does it go? You know, how does the process begin?
2: Well, when when uh, a lawyer is told by lawyer regulation division that they need to to, uh, contact us, uh. We would, we would get that, that communication from the bar that would also include the lawyer. And so we've got the, the full uh, loop of, of those stakeholders in this particular part of the project. And we would do the same thing I described before. We would get whatever the underlying information is related to the case. Uh, you know, what, what brought this lawyer to the attention of the bar? Was it a, an arrest? Was it a client complaint. Uh, you know, uh, we, we want to know, first of all, what we're dealing with and the nature of the behavior involved. Then we would do the same thing I described earlier. We, we as a uh, clinical team at FLA, we would recommend the names of two evaluators who are well-versed and experienced in doing the kinds of evaluations called for in that case, and the lawyer would get the choice uh, uh, as to which evaluator he or she would like to, to work with, and the evaluation takes place, we get the report back, and after that, though, we would then make a recommendation back to the Florida Bar, to, to the referring entity, and say, based on a review of the file and the information contained in the evaluator report and, you know, all those uh, things taken together, we're recommending, and the recommendation could be arranged. It could be from that there's no engagement required uh, to, we recommend uh, a monitoring contract for a certain number of, a uh, certain length of time, a certain number of years uh, along the lines that I described that would include, you know, in the case of substance use uh, situations, drug testing and the like. And we but whatever the recommendation is, uh, if it's on the mental health side, it would be uh, uh, an engagement on our with our facilitated groups and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, focusing on those particular concerns and issues. But we make the recommendation to the bar and there it sits. Uh, the lawyer is encouraged to. Um, Follow our recommendation, but you know, in many uh, cases, Christine, we, we, all we can do is make the recommendation Uh, until that disciplinary process goes to say the grievance committee. um, There is, there is no direct order from the bar to uh, actually engage our services. There are circumstances like that where we get far enough down down the line. Uh, or the referral comes in a slightly different way where the order has issued you know you will uh you will engage with f l a and you will follow their recommendations and then you know there's 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 really it's it 's a question for the lawyer as to whether um willing to do that work or wants to uh make some other choice but uh but that's how it really plays out on the referral side. Uh, we, instead of just giving a recommendation to the individual lawyer, like in the in the voluntary context, we share our recommendation with the bar, so that uh, on the table for everyone.
0: Okay, that that all makes sense. And just to further demystify the the word evaluator is kind of mysterious. Is this a doctor, a psychologist, a mental health therapist, a psychiatrist?
2: Who is who? Who are the evaluators? I'll let Carol answer that one, our our wonderful (laughs) clinical director. But uh, it's kind of a range of all those things. Carol, why don't you? uh...
3: We generally utilize addiction psychiatrists and addiction psychologists as our evaluators. And again, as Dan referred to earlier, each person comes to us with a unique set of issues. And we do our best to pick evaluators who are credible in those areas and considered experts in those particular areas.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think we, one of you briefly touched on this, but I just wanted to um, point out this, your counseling services and programs, they're not just available to lawyers, paralegals, judges, they're all welcome to, you know, reach out to FLA. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that, Jamie. In fact, our outreach efforts go across the board throughout the state. In fact, uh uh, last week, I spent the day down at the University of Miami Law School with Carol. We both went down to, sp- to speak during Wellness Week and to talk to students about wellness practices and, you know, uh, the services that we offer, uh, so forth. And we do that across the board um, and, and travel anywhere in the state we can to deliver the message, you know, in an educational context. Uh, to any of the demographics involved in the Florida legal community. When we set up these noontime support groups that we talked about earlier, um, that really was a response to the whole bewildering pandemic period, you know, when when COVID kind of – unexpectedly took over our lives and, and disrupted everything so completely we we recognized that the legal profession is stressful to begin with, but we realized that we needed to do offer something for for people so they had an outlet every week and so those new meetings that we talked about were were uh, created and we found that to kind of um, uh, uh, address specific parts of the community demographic was very beneficial. So in other words, that's why we have one day where we uh, deal with paralegals, another day where we deal with lawyers, another day where we deal with uh, law students, another day with judges. And then the working mothers is, is a special category themselves. And we find that The facilitation we're seeking of people uh, interacting with each other and kind of opening up to their concerns and problems is best achieved when they're in uh, those kind of siloed um, uh, 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 meetings. So you don't have a paralegal complaining about uh, his lawyer, his boss, the lawyer, (laughs) while lawyers are in the same meeting, right? And lawyers can do the same thing. Everybody gets to let their hair down and kind of, you know tell us what's on their mind and help each other out but but we find that that's that's uh, very important and all of them contribute to what is the the high standards of the Florida legal profession you know paralegals law students are future lawyers you know all of all of these folks play a part in making the profession uh what we want it to be here in the state
1: and that's, I mean, that's great. And and you just mentioned the um, the working mother support group. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yes, and that actually is a wonderful collaboration that we've embarked upon uh, really two years ago now already with the Florida Bar. You know, the, the, you all at the Florida Bar have made uh, mental health and wellness uh, a, a high priority, as as evidenced by the standing committee on, on lawyer mental health and wellness that Christine so much involved with, and. As we were dealing, especially in the pandemic period, uh, you know, the bar was very concerned and aware of the particular stresses that uh, attorneys who are working and raising children, they're working mothers raising children at at home under this period, were facing. They're facing all kinds of added stresses that we thought needed uh, a, a particular focus. So it was a couple of years ago that we, we dedicated Fridays at noon to the Working Mothers Support Group meeting, and we uh, promote that on our website. We send out email uh, reminders to the legal community, and I know the bar does the same thing, uh, and Through that, we have a a strong base of of working mother lawyers who are on our list to attend the meetings, and uh, they show up regularly. Some uh, come and go, depending on other demands in the schedule. But um, we have very, very, we found very important discussions with with uh, uh, those who come uh, with us on Friday that they probably would not be able to have anywhere else. I mean, people very quickly got uh, very personal and very deep with the things they're dealing with, from miscarriages to, you know, any other range of issues. And we found out that the bar's instincts and our instincts in this case were absolutely correct. They needed an outlet. There wasn't any other place for them to go to find each other and to help each other as they have. And and the funny thing about the support groups, as Carol will tell you, is the facilitator, our, our facilitators actually oftentimes sit back and hardly say a word because it's <laughs> the participants who come together to the healing themselves and to help each other through it. And uh, it's just a very heartening, you know, experience for us. And uh, you know, we've had some times where only one working mother has shown up, but it just so happened that she came in tears and she just lost a, a very important loved one like that morning. And here she was. And that entire hour was spent. Working with those particular issues at that particular time. So there, there is no, too, there's not a small, too small a number to be worth our while. We're here every day of the week and we're here every Friday for the working mothers. And uh, we welcome anyone to uh, come check us out and, uh, and see if, there, if it works for, for anybody out there.
1: And I I love that. I mean, I think as a mom myself, just knowing that you're not alone and other people are experiencing the same situations, it really it just it helps you get through, you know, difficult times. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I have another question here. Um, Do you offer any um, mental health and wellness CLEs that are eligible for credit? You know, we have you know attorneys call in and they they love you know looking for CLEs that they can earn credit do you have any at um that that you offer that they can look at as well
2: yes we do i'm glad you asked about that every quarter our 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 commitment is that every quarter we offer a CLE and they 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 frankly you know uh address the whole range of issues from wellness practices to you know uh, uh Ways to sleep better at night, to handling day-to-day stressors, large stressors, small stressors, the whole thing. Even some, you know, uh, uh, devoted to substance abuse issues and how to spot them and how to handle them, and and so on and so forth. But we do one every quarter, and all of our CLEs are free. That's one of the that's one of Wonderful. our inducements. We 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 know that there's a an obligation for Florida lawyers to stay up with their continuing legal education, and we want to make it. Easy for them by um, offering ours at no charge. Um, the information about them will, will is always found on our website. We also send out constant comment uh, uh, email blasts to uh, target uh, communities within the the bar, and you know we welcome everybody to join us. It's it's usually it's all there. You know, these the ones I'm talking about are on Zoom. We also do live presentations anywhere we're we're allowed to invited to, but our CLEs primarily these days are on Zoom, so they're accessible to anybody from anywhere. They're free, and um, and we hope that uh, the the legal community will will check us out and come attend. That's great.
3: And I just want to add also that we're available to provide some of these targeted education opportunities in relation to the attorney's needs. For example, tomorrow I'm doing one on self-care, you know, with a group for their staff during their staff meeting to assist them with some of the issues that they're having. So we have that available to us and um, with just a little bit of notice we can put together a Zoom presentation for their needs.
0: That's excellent. I'm glad that you guys are approaching this from so many different angles, trying to reach people where they're at. Um, one of the groups, uh, Jamie and I have read, that is most at risk for developing depression and anxiety um, often are solo practitioners. Is there specific advice that you um, can give to a solo practitioner? Uh, what can they do to keep themselves in a better place to combat work stress?
3: From my perspective, one of the things that they can do is fellowship with other attorneys. You know, and sometimes, you know, that's as simple as attending, for example, our 12 o'clock support group, um, engaging in bar association activities, but also reaching out and engaging in any type of self-care. One of the things that we do very well at FLA is reach out to those attorneys who are in crisis And oftentimes, when they call our hotline, one of us will talk them through their prevailing issue at that moment and to provide some resources and referrals in the immediate, in real time and for their immediate needs. And so fellowship, um, speaking with one another, and reaching out certainly to us to get a referral for therapy. You know, most professionals and certainly lawyers um, are problem solvers and they don't like to reach out for help. But when they do, it's important that they get it immediately because usually it's it's at, if not a crisis level, then certainly a level that demands immediate attention. And, you know, so we do have um, a, a great deal of referral opportunities available as well.
0: That's great. And I do want to just clarify because it's we've come to the point at the bar where it's a wonderful thing that we have a lot of uh, resources, mental health resources. So I just want to clarify for listeners so we're not confusing our members. Um, Florida Lawyers Assistance is separate from the Mental Health uh, Lawyers Helpline that we established a while back. Um, So all the links that we're going to be putting up are for the FLA resources that we're discussing. The thing that you've been seeing um, separately from that is handled through Corp Care, which is a third party that does that 24-7 helpline with the five free in-person therapy sessions. So that's an entirely different resource.
2: And we've covered that um, too. But I just want to make that little distinction. Great. Absolutely. You know if i if I may one thing that Carol touched on a minute ago that I hope listeners will keep in mind is if anybody is uh, uh, we talked just now about solo practitioners, but if anybody's in a uh, office whether it's a it's a it's a county bar office or a, a law firm or whatever it is, and they would like us to uh, you know, offer a presentation to them on the subject of their choosing, whether it's stress management, sleep, uh, healthy sleep practices, uh, you know, what to look for in substance use uh, disorders, that kind of thing. We'd be happy to do it. Well, we can do it by Zoom. We can do it live if geography permits. But we we love the chance to, uh, you know, be a resource to uh, any anybody in the legal community here in Florida who might think it would be worthwhile to, you know, ha- have a presentation from us.
1: And that's that's perfect, because that ties right in um, to my next question, which was, you know, are you aware of any efforts within, you know, the voluntary bar associations that what they're doing to promote mental health and wellness programs?
2: I do, you know, I, I do know that there's a Young Lawyers Division and others have, uh, I, I, there, there's a lot of attention being, being uh, paid to uh, the mental health and wellness issues these days. And I, I really welcome that. And I'm finding among, you know, the younger demographic that uh, it's a much more natural uh, uh, endeavor for them than it was for people of maybe of my generation. So that's all to the good. Um, I, I wouldn't want to speak for any particular voluntary bar association as to what they do, but we actually do get Calls and contacts, you know, some of the local groups will, uh, will, will want to coordinate with us on wellness practices and kind of some fun competitions among their their lawyers and so on and so forth. So we're always happy to uh, engage in that way. Uh, and and I, I just know that across the board, that there's a lot of good ideas and energy being put into this very important part of, of uh, living as a lawyer. And we're glad to be a part of that.
1: Definitely. Um, and, uh, this is a question for either one of you. Um, so, you know, the statistic is that lawyers rank fourth in suicide by profession. In your opinion, how can we destigmatize mental illness in the legal community?
2: Well, I think that's what our education uh, outreach tries to do. And I know that's what, uh, the bar tries to do. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's a process. There's an interesting thing uh Christine and Jamie about uh mental illness uh and substance use and oftentimes they go together and Carol I would defer to uh, on the straight uh me- mental uh mental health side of it but let me just say that you know my experience with substance use is that you know Somebody who is dealing with that problem is unwilling to give it up. That's the addiction part. I mean, I, I say as an alcoholic, I live with a chronic. And fatal disease. It's it's chronic. It's never going to go away, and it's fatal if it's untreated. And the way I treat it is through my program of recovery. I go thirty-seven years into recovery. I go to an AA meeting every morning. I still do. It's it's like going to the gym, like Christine mentioned. It's just part of it's just part of my health practices every day. But we know that um, there is a predisposition not to want to. Uh, deal with that on the part of the active addict. And that's exacerbated by the fact that a lawyer thinks it may have some professional implications and stuff. So um, all we can do is continue to deliver the message and hope that they hear it in enough circumstances that at the time when it's They're ready to receive it. It's there. So we never tire of repeating it. We never, you know, we never tire of of reminding folks of of what's out there and the risks involved in practicing law Uh, because none of us are supermen or superwomen. The, The stats are higher for lawyers because of the way we live our lives. And there are, you know, there are practical ways we can address that. Uh, but um, and, you know, so there there it is. You just got to keep delivering the message. You all are doing it. We're doing it. And we're seeing, as I just mentioned, I think, you know, among the younger lawyers, they're much more willing to discuss these issues openly and with each other. There isn't the same kind of, you know, uh, th- belief that they they shouldn't let anybody know it's it's i was down and we were down at miami law school last week and and those i asked those students they said it, it, to us it's 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 as legitimate as go, going to a therapist or having therapy is as legitimate as going to the doctor for a, a annual physical i mean it's just what you should do to take care of yourself and so we see progress, um, but it is there. There are barriers to it, realistically. People, oftentimes, in in the throes of the illness or the disease, are less disposed to try to find the help than they would if they were dealing with some other medical issue, say like, uh, you know, cancer or diabetes or something that doesn't also have an addiction component to it. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, on top of that, by the time that someone is is suicidal and an attorney is suicidal, they're feeling so hopeless that they don't feel like reaching out is going to solve anything. And that's why education at the forefront is imperative to make it okay and to give people what I call giving people the permission to talk about it. And that's, I, I think Dan is right. You, the bar is doing it, we're doing it, but there's never enough And so we have to keep the message very clear. It is okay to talk about.
0: Yeah, and that you absolutely, the more we talk about it, so then people are more comfortable about it. It's okay to want to be happy and have a life and practice law. It doesn't have to be an either or situation. Um, Totally. So we've talked a lot about individuals getting help, um, but can you tell us about best practices? Because at the Practice Management um, Center, we want to um, help Uh, law firm administrators, like, so from, from a firm level, are there some best practices that can be implemented in firms that will address mental health issues to help educate their employers, Uh, the employees, the lawyers, everyone there, something that you can do um, to help everyone at your firm?
3: I think again, you know, the message that the bar is providing with the crisis line, I think that that's imperative for people to speak to their employees about on a very practical level. Um, I think the engagement and permission for attorneys and other staff to receive help, I think bringing in mental health professionals such as us to talk with the staff and to be available to hear concerns, all of those are important resources, resources and best practices.
2: I think that's great at the at the uh, at the organizational level. And in fact, if any firm or, or organization wanted us to come in to speak, uh, we would do it. I mean, we're, this this is what we want to do. So, uh, and that's an important endorsement organizationally to to, uh, to set out some time and to devote time to these kind of issues from the top of the firm down. I mean, that's the way you actually deliver a message. You know, otherwise, I think. I think you all are tuned into this to the extent that law firms and others can promote other kind of daily health practices, whether, you know, I know that I know the the, the bar uh, offers discounts to the gyms and so forth and to encourage their employees uh, to uh, avail themselves of those kinds of things. Uh, it's OK to go to the gym, maybe a yoga class in the morning, something like that, something that sh- that has the imprimatur of the management that says these are worthy ways to spend time that we think are going to make you a better person and therefore a better lawyer. And I, I I'm sure that all of us find when we do it that the return is uh, is is striking. You know, whatever time is spent away from the billable hour clock, uh, you get back many fold by healthier and happier, you know, employees. That's very true.
0: And, and I like what you're saying about setting an example. So encouraging people to take advantage of the resources. I think one of the things that we forget is because we know about all of these things is all of our bar members that have no idea that these are available to them right now. So it's, it's, I like to give our listeners something actionable to, to, you know, to leave the podcast with. So, um, Dan and Carol are offering that they will come speak to your group, your, your local bar or your law firm. Um, the committee put together, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before, Uh, we put together a a two-sided flyer of every mental health and wellness resource that's available to bar members. And so just recently, we sent it out to all new bar members. But if you're listening, I'm going to put it up as a link, print it out, and hook it to the corkboard in your coffee room or in your break room. Go ahead and put that out so that your employees know what's available to them. It doesn't cost you anything to inform them about what's available to them.
1: Yeah. And um, I just want to mention, you know, among our listeners, we have some that are in law school or they're getting ready to graduate. So, you know, we we want them to feel prepared. What what advice could you offer, you know, these young people as they're entering the legal profession and how they can handle, you know, stress and, and protect their mental health?
2: Well, outreach to the law schools throughout the state of Florida is a high priority of ours. And in fact, we visit every law school who will have us, and that's most of them, um, at least once a year. And we present at the professional responsibility classes, maybe the ethics classes. We find times to be in the classroom to kind of... uh, you know, uh, present uh, these issues in that way to them. And we find that that's very fertile ground, that the students are in a in a position where they're absorbing a lot of information. In fact, some of the uh, most interesting calls I've received for help are people who, when I ask them, can I, you know, we, we deal with whatever the immediate problem is. And then I, I would ask, so how did you think to call Florida Lawyers Assistance? Why was this the number you called? And I remember uh, uh, a young woman who must be in her mid 30s or so say when I was in law school, I sat through an F.L.A. presentation and orientation, and I was thinking I'm never going to need this in my life, but here I am. And 10 years later, she was making she said I remembered it. I remembered you. I looked you up and I gave you a call. So that's very important. And the the simple the simple answer, uh, Jamie, is they just need to know that the F.L.A. FLA is here and our website is available. Just look us up and contact us. If they're they're entering new ground as young lawyers and they're feeling uncertain about themselves, if they have any questions about how they're adapting to the profession... You know, you have your resources at the bar, which are wonderful. And we're another one. We'd be happy to have any of them call us and just say, here's what's going on with me. You know, what do you think? And we can walk them through that. The message is you don't have to do it alone and you don't have to figure it out by yourself, that there's always somebody there who's familiar with what's happening and has been through it themselves before who can lend a helping hand. Very well said.
3: And lastly, I think it's it's important. When we get on an airplane, they teach us to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first before we help anybody else. And I think that that message needs to be clear. And it actually is clearer in the younger generation. And that is, we must take care of ourselves before we help other people.
0: Yeah, so true. Yeah, really good point, Carol. Thank you. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Dan McDermott and Carol Parks for joining us today.
2: Well, Christine and Jamie, thank you so much for having us, and thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing with uh, with legal fuel and all the resources the Florida Bar offers all of us.
3: Thank you. yeah, thank you
1: both. and we we like to tell our listeners again where they can find resources and and the support groups, and that would be on your website. Is that correct?
2: That's right. Just look for Florida Lawyers Assistance. We'll pop right up. You can get into the website and uh, get phone numbers to call and all kinds of information about what we offer.
0: Perfect. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bars Legal Fuel podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbrey.
1: And I'm Jamie Moore. Until next time, thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bars podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bars practice resource center, LegalFuel, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice.